Welcome to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. If you're an entrepreneur driven by your faith or want to be driven by your faith, then you're in the right place. The best way to stay connected is to sign up for our monthly newsletter at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. This podcast doesn't exist without you, our community. One of the things that the community has asked us for is helping connecting them with like-minded faith-driven investors. We're in the process of launching Marketplace, a new platform to present your venture and connect with like-minded investors that are serious about honoring God as you are. Everything from philanthropic to market rate deals, from here in the U.S. to emerging markets. Check it out at faithdriveninvestor.org forward slash marketplace. While you're there, please send us any thoughts you have about how this podcast might better serve you or any questions you might have about being a faith-driven entrepreneur. Well, everybody, it's the end of 2020, and you have found once again the Faith-Driven Entrepreneur and the Faith-Driven Investor Podcast. We're combining today this episode because what we're going to do is Henry and William and myself are going to look back at 2020. We're going to do a year in review, if you will. Now, I know you're probably saying right now, please, no more 2020. We're all excited about 21. Why do we have to look back? Well, you know, we feel like there were some really great episodes that we had in 2020. Some things that should be highlighted, that encourage us and build us and equip us as we move into the new year. So wherever you are today, if you're on the bike, if you're on the treadmill, if you're sitting back, if you're in the car, on the train, on the plane, uh, taking a walk, enjoy this episode with us as we close off a year. And let us thank you right now for just coming alongside us and allowing us to come alongside of you wherever you have been and wherever you are. We look forward to 2021, but there's still a little good news to share about 2020. Enjoy. Welcome to a special edition of the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm here, as always, with Rusty and William. And this is a special edition in that it gives us a chance to reflect on the work that God has done through the ministry in our lives over the course of the last year. And it's been an incredible year. I don't need to tell you that unless you're listening to this 25 years in the future and trying to figure out what in the world <laughs> is he talking about. But this is 2020, of course, in a world in which the life of a faith-driven entrepreneur has looked different than it ever has before. And we've had, just as a reflect back on the different folks we've had on the program and some of the things that have happened in the ministry and the conference, and I reflect and I look at this as a really special year and a year in which God was really at work. And gosh, that sounds so pithy and cliche. You'd expect somebody to say that that's driven by their faith on a kind of a ministry podcast like this. And yet, when I look back through the guests that we've had on and the feedback we've gotten back from the audience, I feel thankful and blessed. And I don't know if you guys see the same. Am I missing it? Am I no, too Pollyanna? No, you're right on. I mean, it's been such a challenging year, but so many of our guests have been able to give us words of wisdom, experience. I mean, clearly we've just been navigating from one bend of the river to the next, right? You know, I mean, it doesn't go much further than that. But, you know, the encouragement that I've gotten and the uplifting from recording these and listening, you know, has been just fantastic. So I hope our listeners have too. It's really helped me. Yeah, I agree, Henry. I think it's good to feel thankful and blessed, and I do. And I think it's also good to hold and 
the other hand that many people may not feel that way and that it's yeah. still a very trying time and this season is is still a very difficult season where maybe they haven't felt God's presence or maybe don't see his provision yet but are still holding on to hope that he will show up yeah. and so I think there's both you know and I think we've heard that from our guest uh, people in the midst of crisis clinging to Jesus and people who've seen Jesus come through as he always does and in, in his own unique way. I want to go back through this past year and a bunch of things I want to do. I want to reflect on some of the things we've seen in the ministry and reflect on some of the lessons and the themes and the, what we feel that God's spoken to us through things like the conference and some of the other things we've done that God sent through us. I think most especially about the Right Now Media video series that's been particularly fulfilling for me. But so much of our ministry to our broader audience is this weekly podcast. And it's if I were to think about the one thing that really symbolizes our work together, it's it's indeed this podcast because faith-driven entrepreneurship is all about storytelling. It's about the story about God working through entrepreneurs. You know, one of the things I was reflecting on, gosh, it was just yesterday, was that when we first started thinking about doing a podcast, I thought we'll get out there and we'll do 10 or 15 or 20 of these and we'll go through kind of the who's who of the faith-driven entrepreneurs and then you know, maybe we'll just shut it down after six months or so. We'll just get some great, we'll chronicle some great stories. And maybe six or seven into this, I thought that that might be what we would do. And yet it's been amazing that, you know, 140 or so podcast episodes into this, the list of people that I want to tell their story to is just exponentially increased. I mean, I can see that doing this for the next this isn't a contract negotiation, but I can see this doing this for the next five years. We just have so many more stories that are out there. Reflect though with me, if you can, just over the course of the last year, what are some of the guests whose stories have impacted you the most that have left you with just a different vision of what God is doing through business owners and entrepreneurs? Um, three particular for me in the FDE offerings. And one of them was so helpful. In fact, I've used his content from the podcast, I would say hundreds of times. And that was Jeff Henderson. So when Jeff came on and talked to us about, you know, know what you're for, in the midst of that, he dropped out five questions to help us get through the pandemic. And those five questions were to be asked at any moment inside of a crisis, or you don't quite know where you're going to go or what you're going to do with your business. And they've been so helpful to others. I think they're worth restating. The first question is, what should we stop doing? Like what wasn't really working before, but now we're in a new situation, but we were hanging on to them. They were, they, it was legacy work or, or somebody liked it, or it was just part of what we always used to do, but it never really yielded fruit. So why don't we just stop doing it? The second one was what is working that we should double down on. Right? What should we double down on right now? Because if we put our efforts there, it will yield. The third question was, where can we gain new ground that we wouldn't have thought that we could do before? The fourth one was, what do we have to address that is essential in the moment, in this moment? You have to stop and think about what the moment is and what's essential that we have to do, and we have to do it at a high quality and then the last one, which is the one that just opens up, and, and we, I think we've seen it through the pandemic with so many businesses, is what's made possible in this moment that wouldn't have been made possible before. 
And, you know, clearly the connection that people are having all around the world where, you know, we basically flattened the world through Zoom or through any other video conference where people are working remotely. You know, a lot of things have been made possible. A lot of things still to be made possible. But those five questions that Jeff threw out there were really, really helpful for me and have been helpful for me when I've been able to advise others. And it's been nice to be able to reference him looking back. So that was one highlight for me. The second one really quickly was Glenn Jackson around the episode of Achieving Preeminence. And he had a one-liner that God's favorite color is transparency. And I have held on to that in this year because in a year where you know, for a lot of reasons, we've wanted transparency. You know, God's favorite color is transparency. And then the last episode, which I just am so proud that we did in a good way, the, the episode with Rob Thomas and Jeff Parker about how they came through a real crisis and came to reconciliation. And what stuck with me with that was two business partners, you know, one had betrayed another. They came apart. They came back together, never as business partners again, but as friends. And the statement was, forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. Reconciliation takes extra work. And I think that will always stick with me, that, you know, just because I forgive somebody doesn't mean that we're automatically going to have reconciliation. If, if I want reconciliation, I've got to work at it and somebody else has got to work at it with me. So if that was all we did this year with those three, I would have been, I would have been happy. Yeah, no, that's really, really good. And I got to tell you, yeah. I should come up with my own list, right? But there's something remarkably powerful about Rob and Jeff's story. And I mean, I felt like we were part of, you know what it was? It was a special thing. And it's a lot of times we have entrepreneurs on the program that just reflect on their life and they're able to tell their story in a way that brings us in. And gosh, I love all of our guests. But there was this part that I think you're getting at, Rusty, which is this difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. We were a part of the reconciliation. It was happening like right then. That's true. It was the first time they'd really done this. Yeah. Yeah. To right. be clear, there had been some amount of reconciliation that happened before, but it almost felt like we were just kind of like invited into this process with them. And that it was a special, I felt privileged to be a part of that conversation. And I found myself during the course of the conversation going back to like, okay, so here's the antagonist and here's the protagonist in this story. And I went back and forth and it was like watching three seasons of a reality TV show and you're like a character in it. At the end of that, I just, I really felt that that was super powerful. And another one, when people ask me about podcast episodes that really make an impact on me, I've got to always come back to Phil Vischer. Phil Vischer's podcast, where he talks about the identity of an entrepreneur and it's minute 16 to minute 20. The four minutes in his articulation of the identity of an entrepreneur are I think the richest four minutes we've ever done and just gets at what we're about so much. But what makes the Phil Vischer podcast really good and it was great on its own is when it's juxtaposed against Casey Crawford. And it's us getting on the podcast with Casey and just talking about Phil Vischer and then Casey saying, actually, you know, I know that Phil tells me that I need to be able to have an anxiety-free life or if I have too much anxiety, that's a problem in my entrepreneurial life, which to be clear, it is. But he says, you know, some part of me doesn't really resonate with that either because I see David going off the war and I see Jesus sweating blood. And just to be able to kind of further explore what it looks like to be getting out there and just relying on God and being in the crucible 
and depending on God and what's a healthy amount of anxiety and stress and what does that look like? And to see Casey wrestle with that, I thought was super special. Justin's telling us now that it's at minute 26. I thought it was 16 to 20, but listen to the whole episode. It's all great. Phil I'm sure 16 to 20 is amazing too. 16 to 20, also <laughs> amazing. But that whole episode, you can never go wrong with Phil Vischer, but those are some of the impacts that I really reflect on over the course of last year. Yeah, you know, this is the first time we've done a year in review. So some part of me just mentally goes back to, you know, what you said earlier. I mean, we've been doing this for three years. Uh, that's wow. kind of crazy. Um, and for our earliest listeners, they know that they were saved from the early incarnation of this, which was me, Rusty, and Henry taking questions and just giving you all our thoughts, uh, like oh, you're going right. to get here on the year in review. And you said, no, we really like your guest. Uh, turns out uh, you guys should ask more questions. And so we shifted. And here we are. Though, you uh, know, the times have changed. We wanted, this is a great time. I'm sorry to interrupt you, William, or maybe I'm not sorry. To, I don't think no, you are. No, I am, I am. But I'll tell you, one of the things that's super important is the engagement from our audience. Absolutely. When you come in and say, gosh, I got to guess somebody that you really needed to take a look at their story. Or I really would wish that you would help me to understand the theme of mental illness. And gosh, the Max Anderson podcast episode was Amazing. so formative for me. And just can you go deeper into that about what I'm struggling with? That's awesome. But let us know about the format. Let us know about the things that you think are great. And part of that may be never, ever, ever do another year in review episode again. That's fair game. Yeah. And, and that's how we get a lot of our guests, you know, is, is people and, and friends and listeners. That's how we started our spinoff podcast, Faith Driven Investor, that, you know, we'll talk about here in a little bit. And that's been a lot of fun, too. And uh, as I thought back on some of the entrepreneurial guests, I'm going to do some one line quotes and maybe I'll start a conversation between the three of us on maybe what what you heard in that. But yeah. as we we're talking about the crisis, I, I thought back to Michael Hyatt um, and he said two things. He said, you need to decide how you want to come out of the crisis. And he said, secondarily, no one ever drifted to a destination they would have decided. Mm. And so the idea is, you know, you can walk through life. You can end up where you're going to end up. You can get through this crisis. But if you have the time, maybe during this holiday season, to take a breather and decide what you think the Lord is pushing you towards and decide to go there with a community, with people, with the Holy Spirit, it can be really powerful to make that decision and move towards something as opposed to letting the world sort of take you where it's going to take you. Mm, that's good. You know, to that point, you know, your question that you ask always at the end of every podcast, and if you're not there, we ask it for you. You know, so many times we heard what God is speaking to them is about direction and, you know, what they should do next and trying to make decisions. And I think that it's a good word from you, William, taking what Michael said, that, you know, we need to ground ourselves there as we think about where we're going to go. Because I love that, you know, we never, <laughs> you, don't, you don't ever drift in a direction, you know, you would have liked to have gone, but we have to ground ourselves in Christ. No, so I want to go, I, this may be out of order in the podcast, but while you're on the topic of asking guests about what they're hearing from God and his word, I'd like to throw that at you. William, you asked that now hundreds of times. What do you feel that God is speaking to you right now from his word? Well, usually I ask that after we've given the guest time to reflect and figure it out. But I can go I'm, first. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. I would say the biggest theme 
that I have been just meditating on for probably six months. You know, I always ask that as, you know, has it been a season or is it today, right? The season of my life I've been in is humility. And there's many verses that could show that. Uh, Jesus talks about that a lot, but the one that just stuck with me is John 3.30, and that's, uh, he must increase and I must decrease. And that's John the Baptist speaking. And I don't know, uh, I've written a small paper, if anyone's ever needs to read three pages. I think John the Baptist does not get enough airplay in the world. And Jesus said, there's never been a man born of woman that is more than John the Baptist. And that statement, and, and I think what he just showed so much through his short life. We only know so little about John, right? But we know that he, I, I just imagine he must have had so much humility, one, to say that, and two, to be chosen as the person who can hold the baptism of Christ. How many people could have held the baptism of Christ and not gotten puffed up and arrogant? <laughs> I mean, that list has to be pretty yeah. short. Who were able to be chosen to baptize our Lord and Savior. And to not let it go their head. So that'd be name dropping. I'd be looking for all sorts of opportunities to kind Absolutely. of like name drop that. Like, hey, what um, were you doing last week? But just, yeah, I, just I was, imagine in our Jesus. work world, right? If if we were focused on he must increase, I must decrease, all our decisions, all of our attitudes, our families, the way we raise our children, that by the end of my life, people will speak more of Jesus than they will of William. And that's where God's been chasing me. Well, I think that's probably a pretty safe bet that people will be talking more about Jesus in 100 years than William Norville. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. It's a, that's a bold bet. It's a bold bet. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm sure that that's the case for all of us. And gosh, but we all hope that to be the case. Well, well sorry. What I meant by that is like that when they see my life, right? It's not right, William yes. did this. Oh, it's yes. not William yes, did yes. that. It's a, when they look back at my life, they say, wow, the presence of the Holy Spirit was evident. Yeah. Wow. Look what Christ did through this, look what Christ did. You, you know, we can always tell that story of I did it or Jesus did it, right? I did it through my power. And you hear with our guest, right? I feel like God takes us to that, all of them to that humility place of, you know, I mean, look, I, I have nothing. Kwame Williams just said it, right? I realized that if you have God and everything else, you have the same thing as if you have God. Mm, right. Right. Like that's everything. That's the third time in 24 hours that somebody's brought up this concept of radiating God's glory so that when somebody sees you, they see God because you're radiating his glory. And it was uh, Oswald Chambers. That was a daily devotional I was doing with kids. Then we also, there's a nativity devotional that John Piper's got out that we're doing. And then Kwame and then you just talking about that. What does it look like when people see me to your point, when people see me, do they see Christ in me? All too often, I'm afraid not. May that be better in 2021. Amen. For all of us. For all of us. You know, for me, Henry, in the even years is the year that I read the Bible through all the way. I don't do it every year, but I do it in the even years. So it was clearly a pandemic year because I finished on November 30th instead of December 31st, like I normally do. Like so you're, just coming out, you're just coming out of Revelation. You could say anything right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, and to that point, the way this reading plan, the Navigators, I think is who did it years ago, it ends up in that last month in Revelation, in the book of John, and then with finishing up Job, and then the minor prophets, you know, the prophets at the end. So I'm always struck by that last sort of collection of those last 31 days. But this year I was struck even more and it helped with something that one of our guests, Ben Washer, said a few weeks ago with Lecrae 
about the importance of holiness and that striving to be holy, which in my mind means striving to be obedient, just shows up there in these books at the end, and especially at the end of the, the Old Testament, because, you know, Job and all of the prophets and, you know, what happened with the Israelites and all these other countries that, you know, would obey God and then not obey God and obey God and not obey God. And then when they didn't obey God, you know, they became unholy. And it's really been on my heart that I should strive for holiness but I only get there if I strive for obedience. And that what God is asking all of us, and I'm feeling him ask me, is, Rusty, just be obedient. Just obey, you know, what I want you to do. And I'll take care of the rest of it, you know, but just follow along, will you? You know, just be obedient to me. And thus, I think, you know, Maybe I can be filled with a little holiness. And to your point, maybe that can radiate. It's really good. It kind of makes me think of Matthew talking about aim first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you get all these other things too. So if you're going to aim for holiness, starting with obedience is a good spot. And, you know, what does it look like for me to be obedient to what God is asking me to do? And part of me is, you know, there's some of the things that you would see in scripture, but I think that the call for obedience for all of us as faith-driven entrepreneurs is to ask God, what does obedience look like today? Right. We've been talking recently to Bill Job. We probably won't release this podcast before this one, but look for it. But just his ability to be in constant communication with God and God um, encouraging him in one way or asking him to do something in a different direction sounds so sincere when he talked about it. And that gives you just that much more of a sense about what does it really look like to be obedient when you're listening for God's voice. And that's something that I'd like to see myself do a better job. For me, uh, when I think about the question that William asked about what God's speaking to in his word, you talked about the minor prophets. I, if you put a gun to my head right now and said, name the minor prophets, you're like, I don't know, Amos, Obadiah. I mean, I, maybe I get half of them. And I don't spend a lot of time in the minor prophets. I also traditionally have not spent a lot of time in Second Chronicles. Uh, but I do spend some time in that because now it's the second time going through and reading the Bible with a bunch of friends. I've probably talked about this before on the program. I've got six other buddies and we go through a chapter a day and we've gone through the entire Bible once and are most of the way through it second time. When you do something like this with some friends, you start seeing some things in some of the, the books that we might not hear about a lot as a kid growing up. Or in my case, I came to faith when I was 28. And it's in Second Chronicles. The biggest lessons that God has taught me through his word over this past year come from a book of the Bible that I knew very little about, Second Chronicles. And Second Chronicles starts off with these genealogies. They're very difficult to go through in a chapter and then in a group text to say, what is something you know about God that you didn't know about before after having just listened to a genealogy? I've got some of my friends, a guy named Todd Peterson. It's amazing what he can learn from these and extrapolate from these genealogies. I have, I've got nothing there. But there are two things from Second Chronicles that I take away. One is, in this year of 2020, it's Second Chronicles 7.14. And for much of 2020, I had my alarm set to 7.14 every night. Because in Second Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 
this felt like it was a year where our land needed to be healed. And so incredible wisdom coming out of a book of the Bible that I hadn't been as familiar with as I probably should have. And then the other thing that comes out of Second Chronicles that makes a real impact on me are the lessons from the good kings of Judah. All right, you got bad kings, you got good kings. And the lessons that I had, obviously, there's some bad kings. They did some really, really bad things. But it was the bad things the good kings did, and they all did something where they did not listen to God. Every one of the good kings, again, these are the good kings, but somewhere, whether it's a business deal and a trade deal, whether it's going off in a war, they ended up thinking that they had the wisdom. They didn't need to seek God. And in each case, it didn't go well for them in that instance. And I think about the long obedience in the same direction and the faithfulness that we need to have and Bill Job's admonition about listening to God. You can't take a day off, a week off, a month off and just say, I got this. I don't need to ask God about this decision. And I hesitate and I shudder when I think back about the many business decisions I've made in my career where I haven't really sought God. And God wants to be sought. And I'm hoping that this is something that's a pattern in my life that for all decisions, I'm going to be asking real time. But that's a lesson from the good kings of Judah from Second Chronicles. Good. No, that's good. The other piece of Second Chronicles that I've always loved is, you know, those kings had a bigger responsibility. Like, you know, they talk about Jehoshaphat. He was a good king, right? He says he was a good king, but he never fully got rid of all of the pagan idols. Therefore, the people not just him, the people were not able to be fully committed to the Lord. So if you step back and look at that, you say, well, wait a minute, whoa, man, that's the responsibility of leadership. You know, those of us who have the privilege at any time in our careers to sit in a seat of leadership, you know, we are either allowing or denying those people who work for us to be totally fulfilled in our actions and, to, you know, in our obedience you know, as Jehoshaphat, he was good king, but not totally obedient. Oh, that yeah, reminds me, Rusty, one of my favorite quotes of the year, and uh, I couldn't find the exact one, but Patrick Lencioni, on exact that, he said, I've often thought how much better of a dad my dad would have been if he'd have had a better boss. You're right. Wow. And that just stuck with me. And I have just thought about that so often about... I don't think my father's boss is going to be offended, uh, but I thought about that with my dad and the stress he lived under and just the way his business worked. Uh, and, and he was an amazing father, but just like how much more could he have done if he wasn't under that anxiety and stress? And as we have people leading and thinking about the men and women who they are shepherding, to your point, Rusty, creating that environment uh -huh. where they can go home and live in to their callings as part of the family and community. Just, that's a profound, gosh, I just got my money's worth from this episode, just from that one quote. <laughs> that's incredible. I can't imagine what, how much better of a dad my dad would have been if he had a better boss. Wow. The multi-generational impact of what we as bosses do, that's staggering. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's like, take it seriously. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, someone once said to me, he said, you know, the people who work for you, who do you think they're sitting around talking about at the dinner table tonight? They're talking about you, right? And you're either being a good boss or a bad boss, but, you know, that's getting passed around to those kids. And, you know, it, I think there is a real generational thing there. It shapes how at 10 years old you think about work and the fulfillment of work or the curse of work. 
you know, if that's what you hear every night at the dinner table. Yeah. If you meet some of these kids and say, oh, you're the guy who's always late for the Zoom meetings, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. So Henry, you, you're, you're going to, you're going to dive into some of this in a, in a book that's going to come out soon, right? Uh, sometime next year. You want to talk about that? Well, yeah, I can, I can definitely do that. We, um, over time, of course, through our collective history of being faith-driven entrepreneurs and in mine in particular with bandwidth and sovereigns, and then hearing so many stories through what we've done here on the podcast, we've come to understand that there are eight marks of a faith-driven entrepreneur. And it's not like it's the definitive be-all, end-all, conclusive list, but there are some marks of a faith-driven entrepreneur that really bond us together. It's identity in Christ. It's being faithful rather than willful. It's stewardship versus ownership, excellence. All these things are on the website. And of course, they'll all be in the book. But what we try to do is to have a, a short type of treasure principle book that'll come out with Tyndale next year that will get at the essence of, what does it mean for me to be a faith-driven entrepreneur? Uh, a great companion piece, or maybe even just a better piece, period, is actually, as I look over your shoulder, I see the rule of life for praxis. Just really, really, really good. Um, I want to encourage our audience to go to the praxislabs.org website and get that. But we're coming out with a version of ours that gets into some of these things like excellence and ministry and word and ministry and deed and having a heart for missions. One of the other things that I think that we're going to be leaning into next year, though we got a little bit of a start this year, is the partnership we did with Right Now Media and the video series that explores these marks. And it was just a really wonderful time to get together with a guy who's going to be one of my co-authors. This is a book that uh, Faith Driven Entrepreneur will be co-authored, is co-authored with J.D. Greer, president of Southern Baptist, and then Chip Ingram, two great friends of mine for a long, long time, and both of whom cared deeply about Faith Driven Entrepreneurship. We did a this great video series. I think it's great. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be so boastful, but I really enjoy doing it. Uh, Eight-part video series with teaching from J.D., set up by these really, really powerful videos from Seattle Pacific and their Faith and Company series. And one of the great joys of my life over the course of the last year has been going through a virtual study series with cohorts of entrepreneurs from around the world. We just did it on a trial basis, two different cohorts, entrepreneurs from nine or 10 different countries, and just processing it together, watching the video story, hearing from JD and his teaching, which is 12 to 15 minutes each time, and then just processing it. And there's something incredibly powerful in hearing different entrepreneurs across different countries, different industries, different stages, just sharing experience about how God is working with them. And I'll tell you, at the end of it, I, it was almost tearful. It was like, what do we do next? You know, when are we going to get together again? And we had shared life together in a way that was super powerful. So we're going to be doing a bunch of those next year. There's signups on our website. Our hope is also to be able to, to get some scale to it, to find some folks that have gotten some great experience in being a faith-driven entrepreneur who feel called to help mentor and coach and to lead, to be a virtual co-host or virtual host and coach for a group of 12 to 15 international entrepreneurs, probably half from the States, half from overseas. And, and so that's another initiative that really fired up about. Yeah, that's exciting. I think it's going to be great. You know, it also makes me think back for a moment to 2020. You know, it wasn't just about the pandemic this year. It was also a lot about social unrest as it relates to, you know, um, racial justice. And I was really pleased 
with the guests that we were able to bring on, you know, entrepreneurs or venture capitalists who are investing or working inside of, you know, some of the areas that typically would not get attention in the minority population, minority companies, or disadvantaged areas. And I hope we lean more into that. I think that there was some real, really, really, really rich conversations that we had this year about people who are very, very committed and are making a difference. And some things that I know you really care about, Henry, around transfer of you know, generational wealth and you know, things that we can all do better uh, uh, as a society. But we did have some very rich guests this year that really you know, meant something to me. Yeah, Joe, Ben Joe Watson. Oh yeah, well, who's your favorite? I was gonna yeah. say Jill Burke Solomon on the FDI podcast. Just on, I think she is just an incredible. Her and her co-founders incredible concept around investing, right? That doesn't fit within the normal construct of private equity or venture capital. It is a private equity vehicle, but exactly along your lines, Rusty. They really went to the whiteboard and said, "Well, what do black entrepreneurs and business leaders need? They actually probably need more of a revenue share model." because of the size of the businesses that they typically own. And I just thought it was a really innovative episode on the investing side to think through how could you get at some of these problems in an innovative way with the life experience that God's blessed you with. And I will tell you that, you know, the, the guests that we had, I mean, the cool work that's happening in Atlanta, you know, I mean, every time we turn around, we're running into something that's really exciting in Atlanta. And when we get past the pandemic and we can all get back out on the road again. That would be a place that I would love to see us go and record some podcasts and some video podcasts in Atlanta. If it wasn't here, for the here. pandemic, I might still live there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so that would have been easier. Uh, so I want to um, close out our time together with a prayer. And I'd love for us to pray together. And I hope that as you're listening to this on a run or on a commute, that you'll join us. And you'll pray with us. And I believe that God will hear this prayer. So please join with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the ministry that you've given us. Each of us, each of the listeners to this podcast, that you've placed us in the marketplace to lead, to create, to innovate, to know you more fully. And with that knowledge, return to our work out of gratitude with a hopeful expectancy of you using us in a way that will, A, allow us to know you and experience your joy more fully in, in our own personal lives and those of our families. But as we love on our partners, our vendors, our customers, our employees, help us to do that faithfully. And as Rusty was talking about, obediently. Dear Lord, as we come to the end of the year, we reflect on the great many blessings that you have provided us in this ministry, I thank you for Justin Foreman, our executive director and the producer of this podcast. I thank you for Johnny Wills, who leads content at Faith Driven Entrepreneur. I thank you for Richard Barley, who's our audio engineer. I thank you for Janelle and Adora and Nicole and Anna for their work in helping to organize the different podcasts we have in the show notes and in our outreach. Dear Lord, I ask that you would give each one of the listeners to this podcast a special blessing and a sense that they are loved, that their identity would be in you and that they would have a life and a joy that would radiate your glory as William and Rusty were talking about before, that they would not see the entrepreneur, but they'd see Jesus. They'd see Christ in us. I pray for the protection of each one of the listeners to this podcast. 
Pray for a successful 2021 of favor and protection and joy and a feeling that we are experiencing your pleasure as we go about our work. Pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. We are very grateful for the opportunity to serve you, the larger faith-driven entrepreneur community, and we want to stay connected. The best way for you to do that is to sign up for our monthly newsletter at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. And while you're there, we want to hear from you. We derive great joy from interacting with many of you, and it's been very rewarding to see people come to the site and listen to the podcast now from more than over 100 countries. But it's even more important to us that you feel like this is your show and that you'll help make it something that best equips you on your entrepreneurial journey, one that you're proud of and one that you're going to share with others. Hey, this podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from many of our friends, executive producer Justin Foreman and program director Johnny Wills. Music is by Carl Kegwell. You can see and hear more of his work at summerdregs.com. Audio and editing by Richard Barley of Cornerstone Church in San Francisco.